Chapter Fifteen of Freaks on the Fells Three Months Rustication Story One by R. M. Ballantyne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Chapter Fifteen A Dream and a Bull. That evening, Mr. Sudbury, having spent the day in a somewhat excited state, having swept everything around him wherever he moved with his coat-tails as with the besom of destruction having dispatched a note to the nearest constabulary station and having examined the bolts and fastenings of the windows of the white house sat down after supper to read the newspaper and fell fast asleep with his head hanging over the back of his chair his nose turned up to the ceiling and his mouth wide open his loving family minus tilly and jacky who were abed encircled the table variously employed and george stood at his elbow fastening up a pair of bookshelves of primitive construction coupled together by means of green cord while thus domestically employed they heard a loud steady thumping outside the sudburys were well acquainted by this time with that sound and its cause at first it had filled mrs sudbury with great alarm raising in her feeble mind horrible reminiscences of tales of burglary and midnight murder after suffering inconceivable torments of apprehension for two nights the good lady could stand it no longer and insisted on her husband going out to see what it could be as the sound appeared to come from the cottage or offshoot from the white house in which the mcallisters lived he naturally went there and discovered that the noise was caused by the stoutest of the two servant girls this sturdy lass whose costume displayed a pair of enormous ankles to advantage and exhibited a pair of arms that might have made a prize-fighter envious was standing in the middle of the floor with a large iron pot before her and a thick wooden pin in her hands with the end of which she was according to her own statement champin tatties mrs mcallister her son hugh and dan and the other servant-girl were seated round the walls of the room watching the process with deep interest for their supper was in that pot the nine dogs were also seated round the room watching the process with melancholy interest for their supper was not in that pot and they knew it and wished it was my dear said mr sudbury on returning to the parlour they are champing tatties what champing tatties in other words mashing potatoes which it would seem with milk constitute the supper of the family thus was mrs sudbury's mind relieved and from that night forward no further notice was taken of the sound but on the present occasion the champing of the tatties had an unwonted effect on mr sudbury it caused him to dream and his dreams naturally took a pugilistic turn his breathing became quick and short his face began to twitch and lucy suggested that it would be as well to awake papa when papa suddenly awakened himself and hit george a tremendous blow on the shoulder hallo father cried george remonstratively rubbing the assaulted limb really you know if you come it in this way often you will alienate my affections i fear my dear boy what where why i was dreaming of course he was and the result of his dream was that everybody in the room started up in surprise and excitement thereafter they sat down in a gay and very talkative humour 
soon afterwards a curious squeaking was heard in the adjoining cottage and another thumping sound began which was to the full as unremitting as and much more violent than that caused by champing tatties the mcallister household having supped were regaling themselves with a dance what say to a dance with them said george oh cried lucy leaping up capital shouted mr sudbury clapping his hands a message was sent in the reply was heartily welcome and in two minutes mr sudbury and the stout servant girl number one george and stout girl number two hugh and lucy dan and hobbs the latter consenting to act as girl number three were dancing the real otolagorum like maniacs to the inspiring strange of mcallister's violin while peter sat in a corner in constant dread of being accidentally sat down upon fred in another corner looked on laughed and was caressed furiously by the nine dogs mrs sudbury talked philosophy in the window with grave earnest mrs mcallister whose placid equanimity was never disturbed but flowed on broad and deep like a mighty river and whose interest in all things small and great seemed never to flag for a moment the room in which all this was going on was of the plainest possible description it was the hall the parlour the dining-room the drawing-room and the library of the mcallister family earth was the floor whitewashed and uneven were the walls non-existent was the ceiling and black with peat smoke were the rafters there was a dresser clean and white and over it a rack of plates and dishes there was a fireplace a huge yawning gulf with the roaring fire for culinary purposes only being summer and beside it a massive iron gallows on which to hang the family pot said pot was a cauldron so big was it that there was a species of winch and a chain for raising and lowering it over the fire in fact a complicated sort of machinery mysterious and soot begrimed towered into the dark depths of the ample chimney there was a brown cupboard in one corner and an apoplectic eight-day clock in another a small bookshelf supported the family bible and several ancient and much-worn volumes wooden benches were ranged round the walls and clumsy chairs and tables with various pails buckets luggies troughs and indescribable articles completed the furniture of the picturesque and cosy apartment the candle that lighted the whole was supported by a tall wooden candlestick whose foot rested on the ground and whose body by a simple but clumsy contrivance could be lengthened or shortened at pleasure from about three to five feet but besides all this there was a world of materiel disposed on the black rafters above old farm implements broken furniture an old musket an old claymore a broken spinning-wheel etc all of which were piled up and so mingled with the darkness of the vault above that imagination might have deemed the spot a general rendezvous for the aged and maimed of still life fast and furious was the dancing that night native animal spirits did it all no artificial stimulants were there tatties and mulk were at the bottom of the whole affair the encounter of that forenoon seemed to have had the effect of recalling the spirit of his youth to mr sudbury and his effervescing joviality gave tone to all the rest now fred you must take my place said he throwing himself in an exhausted condition on a settle but perhaps your partner may want to rest suggested fred last number one scorned the idea so fred began 
are your fingers not tired asked mr sudbury wiping his bald forehead which glistened as if it had been anointed with oil not yet said mcallister quietly not yet if the worthy highlander had played straight on all night and half the next day he would have returned the same answer to the same question you spend a jolly life of it here said mr sudbury to mrs mcallister ay a pleasant life no doubt but we're not always fiddling and dancing true but the variety of herding the cattle on these splendid hills is charming so it is assented mrs mcallister we've reason to be contented with our lot maybe would grow tired of it however if he was always here i'm told that the gentry wiles grow tired of the bra rooms and take to ploutering about the hills and burns for change sometimes they even dance with the servants in a highland cottage ha you have me there cried mr sudbury laughing let me sit down pa pray do cried lucy her father rose quickly and lucy dropped into his place quite exhausted come father relieve me cried fred i'm done up and my partner won't give in to say truth it seemed as if the said partner stout lass number one never would give in at all from the time that the sudburys entered she had not ceased to dance reel after reel without a minute of breeding time her countenance was like the sun in a fog her limbs moved as deftly and untiringly after having tired out father and son as they did when she began the evening and she now went on with a quiet smile on her face evidently resolved to show their english guests the nature of female highland metal in the midst of all this the dog suddenly became restive and began to growl soon after a knock came to the door and the dogs rushed at it barking violently mr mcallister went out and found that a company of wandering beggars had arrived and prayed to be allowed to sleep in the barn unfortunate it was for them that they came so soon after mr sudbury's unpleasant rencounter with one of their fraternity the good man of the house although naturally humane and hospitable to such poor wanderers was on the present occasion embittered against them so he ordered them off this incident brought the evening to an abrupt termination as it was incumbent on the farmer to see the intruder safely off his premises so the sudburys returned in a state of great delight excitement and physical warmth to their own parlour the only other fact worth recording in regard to this event is that the sudburys were two hours late for breakfast next morning End of chapter fifteen